Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I'm Louise McSharry here with you to catch you up on the week, um, on the news, on the gossip and of course on anything else that's been interesting that's been going on. Me and my merry band of worldly and wise contributors are here to uh, to make sure that you're well informed heading into the weekend. Um, I hope you're feeling good this week. I really want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been leaving me reviews on various podcast platforms. I just had a little read of them this week and they are so kind and I just really appreciate you taking the time to do it. It does help um, every review, every time you tell a friend, every time you post something about it, it's a huge help to me. And, um, you know, I, I just don't even really have the words to say how grateful I am. I do have some ideas for expanding this podcast soon. Um, and I have some ideas about how I can do that. So hopefully I'll have some news on that soon. I also need to say thank you for selling out my live show. Um, as I mentioned last week, Catch Up with Louise McSherry is going live for the very first time as part of Dublin Fringe Festival. And um I, I mentioned it on the podcast last Friday and then I got a message over the weekend to tell me that it was sold out. So you guys are amazing. Um, I have heard from people who were hoping to go who haven't been able to get tickets. What I will say is I'm really hoping that live shows will be happening semi-regularly. It's from the very beginning, it's something that I really wanted to do and something that really appealed to me about podcasts because I'd love to get out and meet you guys and um, have a bit of crack with you. So hopefully there'll be more on that soon as well. Um, I've been grand this past week, has been overly exciting. I was in Wexford again um, during that beautiful weather and I have to say I was eternally grateful to be able to be on the beach again. Other than that, I took Sam to the opening of the new Lego shop on Grafton Street. Like... I didn't have great expectations. I was like, it's a shop. Do you know what I mean? Like, I knew Sam would be delighted because he's been super excited about it ever since he saw that they had like an uh, awning. That's not the word. Uh, scaffolding. So they had a sign. They had a sign on the shop and he'd seen it. So he's been excited about it for months. So when I got the invitation to go and have a look at the shop early, I was delighted because I knew he'd be excited. But I didn't know that we would spend almost an hour and a half in the shop. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that Sam would make friends in the shop uh, with staff and other clientele alike. It was it's a it's a great shop for kids or for people who love Lego. Like there's loads of little stations where you can play, you can make personalized figurines, you can build figurines there and buy them if you want to, or you can just build them and put them back. Like there's there's no pressure. And um, the staff are 
amazing like they really know their stuff and they are brilliant with kids and I was so impressed I asked one of them like how long they'd been training because they were so kind of well versed on everything and she said it had been a couple of weeks but that they were all studying up at home and um, you know they all just seemed really passionate about Lego and about play and um, I, I yeah I mean, look, I haven't been paid to say this, but I just thought I would mention that, um, you know, it's definitely worth a visit. I think I read that they're limiting initial visits to half an hour um, per, per group or whatever. And I think they're letting people in via wristband and stuff. Yeah, I'm recording this on Thursday. So today is the official opening day. So maybe give it a few weeks until things calm down a little bit. But um, certainly it was a huge, huge, huge hit with Zom. Um, other than that, I suppose the, on the flip side of watching kids have absolutely lovely time and um, make friends and, you know, live in their innocence. Just before I started recording this morning, I saw a video on Twitter. It was a, a, a mother prepping their child for an active shooter situation in school. And I'm going to play you a little clip of it here so you can you can hear what it sounded like. Teacher calls over the intercom, says this is not a drill. Everybody go in the corner and be really quiet and still. What do you do? Be on the corner and be really quiet and still. Now show me how you use your bulletproof backpack. Okay, good job. If a teacher says, Weston, you don't need your backpack, let's get in the corner. I say, no, I need it, it's bulletproof. Okay, if the police are outside the door but the shooter is in your room, and they call out, is anybody in there? What do you do? I say, I'm here. Absolutely not. You don't say a word. Okay. If the shooter is in there, you do not say a word. You stay absolutely silent. That kid, I would imagine, is in... I don't know, kindergarten or first grade, probably around the same age as Sam, who's just about to turn six in October. And, you know, he's there with his Spider-Man bulletproof backpack. And I just don't know how parents are doing it. I, I cannot fathom having to prepare your child for that situation and having to having having to make them be aware of the possibility that someone might walk into their life and shoot them. Because that's what you're talking about. And I understand that that is a, a reality for parents in America. And I don't like begrudge this parent preparing their child. But I just can't imagine living in a situation like that and and kind of, I, I don't want to say being okay with it because I know there are lots of parents who aren't okay with it. But I don't think I could live like that. I, I honestly don't know how they are living like that. Um, it's wild. Like, obviously, I went to school in America. I was I always have to, it's funny, actually, I've gotten a lot of questions about my accent recently, but I was born in Dublin, but then we moved to America when I was um, just turned seven. And I, so I went, did a lot of primary school, did all of my middle school and um, half of high school. So I, I was just about to turn 16 when we left. So it's a big chunk of my education. And, you know, I, I loved school in America. I had such a positive experience and none of this stuff was something that you ever had to consider. And it's wild to me that just in one generation, it's changed so much and I just don't know how anyone in America is managing to convince themselves that it's okay. Like, you know, if you're on the side of guns and if you're all about the, the you know, the third, is it the third amendment or the fifth amendment, whatever, the right to bear arms. If you're all about that, like, I still don't understand how you can convince yourself it's okay for millions of children to be sent to school every day, you know, being warned about someone coming in and potentially shooting them. 
Like how can anyone make their brain think that's okay? It's just beyond me. Anyway, very grateful that that is not a situation that we have to face here in Ireland. I know we all have our complaints, but I'm super grateful that my child doesn't have to be aware of that or that that's not something that he has to worry about or that when I was buying his new school bag for senior infants, I wasn't having to factor in the ballistic qualities. Like it's just appalling. Anyway, sorry to start on a downer, but I just, it was all I could think about when I started started to record here um, because it just breaks my heart. Anyway, we've got loads of great stuff coming up today. I'm going to be talking to Siobhan Murphy. If you're someone who watches Interior Design Challenge, you'll know Siobhan. She is super colorful, maximalist interior designer, and um, she is fantastic, really fun, really good to talk about, about fashion, about being a plus size woman and trying to be fashionable. And also, of course, about how you can introduce color and introduce a bit of action into your house if you want to. She's got a new book out, uh, More is More which I love more is more decor. Um, and uh, then later on, of course, we'll get the latest in the entertainment news with Emer McLeisett. But first, let's start with the news. Well, Aoife, hello. Of course, Aoife Grace Moore, Aoife Moore for short. I haven't said that in a while. Um, she is the political correspondent with the Sunday Times Ireland and she is here to catch us up on the week's news. And Aoife, unfortunately, we have to start with a story that had my blood absolutely boiling this week. Yeah. Um, because and and I mean because it's bad on its own, but it's also I think a symbol of a trend that's happening now. Yeah, I hate this. This is the worst. Right. Yeah. So, a fella who was out in Dublin, Mark Sheehan. He is twenty six. He was out in the George, um, very well known um, nightclub in Dublin. He was out with his friends for their birthdays, and they got a late night bus home. Um, he got on the bus and he said a group of young men sat behind him. He said like late teens and teenagers. Um, they were kind of messing with him and his friends at the start. And then it started getting like quite verbally abusive. And they were quite homophobic in their abuse. Um, they called Mark a freak. Um, they called him like a number of homophobic slurs. And when he was getting up to get off the bus, they kicked his, I think it was AirPods, out of his hand. And when he bent down then um, to pick them up on the bus, he got assaulted again. And when he stood up, uh, a fella headbutted him. Um, there's very graphic pictures mm. online. I'm sure a lot of people have seen them mm-hmm. of his face. He has black, uh, two black eyes. His nose is clearly broken. Um, he said there was blood everywhere. When he got down the stairs, he asked the bus driver to phone the Garda and the bus driver said, you should get off the bus for your own safety. Um, the Garda now have said that they're investigating the assault that happened near Temple Oak. Uh, he was taken to hospital and had a number of injuries, but they weren't life-threatening. But as you said, this is part of a wider trend that we are seeing in Dublin now. You know, we saw that attack on a trans person a couple of weeks ago coming out of the George as well Mm. and the other part of this is you know like every big city we should be advocating for more public transport at night Mm. but like realistically I live in the north side so the 15 bus which Mark was on runs 24 hour Mm. I would never get the 15 bus home from a night out oh my god I would never I would never and how would you feel safe Exactly. And the wider issue is now that government TDs and uh, opposition TDs are saying that if we want to live in this kind of European dynamic capital city, we need 24 hour public transport, but we also need police. Mm. 
on that public transport. Mm. And I'm not really an advocate of just putting more police out there in the hope that it's going to deter crime because we know that that's not what happens. Mm. But we do know that, you know, we're, there's a taxi shortage, all these different things that could be solved by more public transport. Mm. But until public transport is safe, people aren't going to want to yeah use it and like mark that poor fella who was assaulted said he was like i wish i had just got a taxi yeah but the thing is he um, can't even get a taxi at the moment so like yeah but aside from that i mean the fact that we are seeing in it seems to me anyway a trend toward increased homophobic attacks is absolutely mm-hmm. devastating like you know and and we have to start to question where that's coming from and you know i have seen people talking about some of the um some of the men on the internet who are peddling in toxic masculinity at the moment and who are making a big name for themselves, people like Andrew Tate and people suggesting that that Ugh. kind of culture is feeding into this this weird brand of homophobia that seems to be, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that there was never ever a time that there was not homophobia, but that seems to be really rearing its ugly head at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's devastating and we have to really consider where it's coming from so that we can try and nip this in the bud. And uh, the thing that bothers me more is we saw this um, with the assault on Mark Sheehan, but also on the attack on the trans person outside the George a couple of months ago, is that the people who were doing the attack and were quite young. Yeah. Like they said they were in their late teens. Yeah. Like I find that really, really disturbing. I'm not saying it's any better when it's an older person, but the fact that, you know, we're supposed to live in this now very progressive society and we're years after the Mm. marriage referendum, and it's young people doing this. I find that incredibly um, disturbing. Yeah, I, and also that comes down to education in schools. I think I think as well, though, that I, I honestly think that that kind of substantiates the idea that it's some of this kind of, you know, really intense toxic masculinity on the mm-hmm. internet that's at the root of this because it is young men who are vulnerable to this stuff for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. And I just don't know how, and I know lots of people who listen to this podcast are members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I don't know how they, can possibly feel safe going out at the moment and particularly if you're someone who you know doesn't blend in as it were Uh, you know I I, I hate the idea that there are people and I know there will be people who as Panty said in in her iconic (laughs) speech on the Abbey stage years ago who are checking themselves and who are worrying about whether what they're wearing is too much or whether what their their makeup is too much or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, you know as they walk out the door because they're worried about their safety like there's no way obviously people are feeling that way and like that's not okay yeah and this is, you know, a bigger part of it. And I think it will come, it is going to have to come back to education in schools, but it is, it's just a wider conversation that we need to have. And we cannot accept that, mm-hmm. you know, this argument is over and this debate is over because it's homophobia not. is obviously still rampant because yeah. we are seeing these things every yeah. other month. Yeah, absolutely. And these are just the ones that we hear about. This is it. Um, So just like a massive, massive expression of solidarity with all the people who are listening who might be feeling scared or unsafe right now, I'm furious on your behalf, furious. And I won't stop talking about this ever because it's not acceptable and we have to take action. Um, moving on uh, to, well, another bleak oh, situation, but I suppose less serious in a way, but also not. Um, there was huge chat on the internet this week as photographs and video from a rental viewing went viral for the sheer number of people who were there. Yeah, so um, I'm sure a lot of people saw it, but a fella, Connor Finn, he posted a photo of him in a queue for a, f- a house viewing in Drumcondra the other night. <clears throat> the house viewing started around uh, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 
and the pictures oh my god they're so depressing there is a huge queue of people there were a hundred people by about quarter to nine he said that he left the queue he was like there was no real movement there was no chance of me viewing this house and then more people started putting up videos of the queue Hmm. They said there were maybe like 120, 150 people there. The rent in this three-bed house is 1,850 euro a month, which the fellow said he actually thinks that's why the queue was so long because mm. that that is underpriced for the current market and it's in a good location. So obviously John Contra is quite central and people mm. want to live there. Um, he said he doesn't really understand why the estate agent invited so many people yeah. and yeah and then it was so depressing like people and I, the thing that bothered me was that everyone in the queue looked so young like yeah. they all looked 20s 30s well yeah because people are trying said, to look for college accommodation now and it's desperate yeah and he was saying you know it's quite demoralizing and he was like even if you can find somewhere you can just get by with half your take-home salary is gone on rent mm. And then he was talking about having a family and he is a trainee solicitor and he was like, I don't know if I make enough money basically as a solicitor that I could live in Dublin. It's crazy. And then obviously there was um, men on the internet in the aftermath was like, hmm, former TD Billy Timmons was like, I'm a bit doubtful, Thomas. So I would like the address. I'm a bit of a, what he said is, I'm a bit of a doubtful, Thomas. What he meant was doubting Thomas. (laughs) Okay. All right, Billy. And then, so then, he, obviously, when he was proved wrong, uh, Billy Timmons was like, "Yeah, I am well aware of the difficulties with regards to rental property. Just, like the ultimate da on the internet. This isn't real. This isn't happening. Like, like how could you be so disconnected? Honestly, there's yeah, literal so photo and video, babe. Like, wh- how are you questioning yeah. this from several people? Like, yeah. Ugh. So the letting agent said at the time, the letting agent who was involved said what was happening was a direct reflection of what's happening in the moment with the rental market. The estate agent said he took no pleasure uh, in making 150 people queue for a viewing. Um, and he said that when he didn't hear from tenants or they often didn't receive responses when they expressed interest, he just kept inviting people, which is fair enough, like whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's more, it is a complete damning indictment of the rental sector yeah. Yeah. in Dublin at the minute. And, and not even just Dublin, we know no, it's across it's the country. Yeah. I saw a girl this week basically begging for, uh, you know, somewhere to live in Galway so that she could finish her final year of university. Like it's, oh it gosh. is, it's insane. And like, to be honest, the lack of action on it is kind of hard to, hard to fathom. Um, anyway, let's move on because unfortunately we have another absolutely terrible story and it is another murder of an, a woman in Ireland. So another woman has been murdered this year. Um, a vigil was held for Larissa Serban. She was killed last Friday in Athboy uh, in County Meath. And she was a Romanian native, but she had been in Ireland for several years. And she moved to Athboy about a year ago. Um, she Her body was found at five o'clock in the morning and her partner presented himself uh, to Gardy. He's been remanded in custody and he's now undergoing a psychiatric assessment. Um, there's not much we can say about this because obviously it's an mm. ongoing case, but he appeared uh, in Trim District Court. It'll go to the High Court. Um, there was very much, very little they could say about it at the time. 
what he did present uh, himself. He didn't make any comment when they um, put the charges to him. And I actually found it about, I don't know if disturbance is the right word, but there wasn't that much said about it at the time. Yeah. So she was murdered last Friday um, and there wasn't actually that much said about it. But um, as far as I aware, I'm aware, she had a young child as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's incredibly depressing. That's, um, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about it um, in this segment. And, you know, first of all, I, I, I think it's important to cover uh, male violence as much as possible to continue to highlight the fact that we have a major problem with it. Um, but also I saw lots of people saying, yeah, where is the uproar about this? Mm-hmm. Where Where is the campaigning? Where Where are the people? And there was a suggestion that, you know, because this woman wasn't Irish, there was mm-hmm. less of a kind of interest or less kind of care given. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's true. I think that there was less media coverage. And so it was, I think, fewer people heard about it. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing's for sure, we can't ever be quiet about the murder of a woman in our country by her partner, potentially. I mean, we don't know, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, he is the person who's handed himself in. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we can't become numb to this. Yeah, and I got a lot of grief. Um, I and the, in the wake of the Ashley Murphy murder, but I went on RT, I went on TV, and you know, people were like, "Oh, after Ashley Murphy, there was this widespread, you know, uproar about what happened, and especially with men who were like so, you know, outraged and so sad about what happened." And I went on TV, and I was like, "Listen, this is going to happen again," mm. and I was absolutely like slated online, and people were like. This isn't what it's about, blah, blah, blah. But like, we can't just say this is awful and this is never going to happen again because without any action to back that up, it will happen again. And like, I'm from the North and I like, I'm sure a lot of people don't know this, but Northern Ireland is the most dangerous place to be a woman in Western Europe Mm. for the rate of domestic violence. So there needs to be an island-wide conversation yeah about how we tackle violence against women and girls because we know it starts in- incredibly young like most like girls who suffer domestic violence suffer it by the time they're 14 yeah um so yeah there needs to be a widespread conversation about it and as you say we it's not something that we should accept no it shouldn't be a fact of life that domestic violence happens no um at least we do know that uh you know there is obviously a new curriculum um around sphe which you know i would be optimistic in terms of it having some impact because gender roles and stuff like that is is part of it but yeah mm-hmm. the continue to, the conversation has to continue um moving on I'll, i won't lie i put this in because i just felt like we needed a bit of light relief um the, the guards have a new uniform <laughs> the guards have new clothes there is literally nothing to say in this new story so i'll be working for my money here so <laughs> no come on <laughs> there is something to be said the guards have a new uniform it's well their first new the uniform in years. <laughs> so 2022 marks the centenary year of the foundation of the Garda Shikona. And it's only the third time yeah. that they've changed the uniform. That is wild. So 13,000 members have received a new uniform across 560 stations. And like, oh God, the uniform consists of a two-tone soft shell jacket, a two-tone waterproof jacket, a blue Garda polo shirt, operational trousers i would love to know what makes trousers <laughs> operational uh, 
<laughs> Surely all trousers are operational if you're wearing them. Pockets, I'm sure. And, I'm sure it's pockets. Pra- practical base layers. Now, the only thing I would say that makes this quite interesting is that the, the, the hat or the cap hasn't changed. But the official headwear for religious and cultural reasons, um, such as like turban and a hijab, mm. they've made new ones. So they have like a Garda crest on them. Mm. Um, yeah. And naturally, because Irish people can't take anything seriously, people took the piss. <laughs> and it's like someone tweeted, I love this, watching out the window from work, hoping to see the new Garda uniform. It's but like waiting to see the first new car of the new year. It, it, I can't wait to see it in real life. I saw James Kavanagh saying he likes one of the jackets he'd wear. So. <laughs> the new Garda uniform has a very Australian soap opera vibe to it. I love it. Yeah, because it's they, because the polo shirt. Yeah. Are they, <laughs> sorry, just looking at another tweet that said they look like they're in deep space space night. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but yeah, they Drew Harris said, you know, because when you think about it, a shirt and tie isn't really no, it doesn't make any practical. sense, especially because you need these people to like chase dangerous criminals in theory, yeah, in a shirt and tie. Hmm. So that they basically said it's an evolving society and it's a redesigned modern hmm. uniform and it's going to, you know, this new era of yeah. policing, blah blah blah. Fair play, the guards. But, um, yeah, well, enjoy well your new uniform your new clothes. <laughs> And finally, some good news. Um, Great to see some Irish people doing well at the European Championships in athletics. And Israel Olatundi is um, one of our big successes. Yeah, he's also quite hot. But anyway, Israel Olatundi. Aoife, (laughs) I'm not going to objectify this 20-year-old man. Yeah, sorry, call me. Call me, Israel. Um, Yeah, so he's from Dundalk. I heard him getting interviewed yesterday. He's the first Irish athlete to book a spot in the final of the 100 metres at the European Championships in Munich. I don't know if anyone heard him on the radio yesterday after the race. He was 0.04 seconds away from a medal. Mm. Like, and he was saying after it, he was just like, you know, I'm so close to a medal. I'm going to train and train and train now and that'll be, you know, his next thing. Yeah, as you say, he's only 20. He's from Dundalk. He was running in the second of three semi-finals. Mm. And yeah, he's very fast, a very fast runner. Um, We've done great, actually, in the running this year. Yeah. Um, Kira, so go on. No, go on. I was just going to say, yeah. Razadat Adelecki broke her yeah. Irish 400 meter record, her record, which is the Irish record. And she came fifth fifth place in the 400 meter final at the European Championships in Munich she's only 19 so like these are proper hopes that we have for success in athletics it's very exciting I know it's amazing to see and they're like the thing I always take away from it is like when you see them getting interviewed they're always so shocked by how fast they are (laughs) just like I can't believe this I'm so fast but yeah um Israel Latunde said you know it's it was amazing to be there he was really grateful he said it was such a blessing I actually heard him on uh, yeah, getting interviewed yesterday, and they were saying, you know, congratulations, well done. And he was like, "Listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it." And I was like, "No, no, no, Israel, <laughs> that's that's not how it works." <laughs> like, if me and Han went running, and I would go running with him, but like, if me and Han went running, I'm gonna guess with all the training in the world, I think he would still beat me. Yeah. I, Eva, I'm sorry, but I, I think he would. I think he would. And on that note, I think it's time to say goodbye. Thank you so much for bringing us these stories. <laughs> I'm so giddy. <laughs> um, it's been wonderful. Please never, never change. That's even more political correspondence than Sunday Times Ireland.
As I said at the start of the podcast, Siobhan Murphy um, first came into my life via Interior Design Masters on um, TV, which is a great show where amateur interior designers compete to win a big contract, an interior design contract. It's hosted by Alan Carr. It's very wholesome and nice. And um, I just love to see what the designers do with their spaces. So I've been a huge fan of it. And on the last series, um, there was one particular person who I was a big, big, big fan of, and that was Siobhan Murphy. Um, She is such a she comes across such a lovely person she's from the north of England she is all about fashion and interiors and um, as you'll hear now like it was her outfits that actually hooked me in initially so I was delighted to read that she had a new book out the book is called more is more decor and I was only delighted to have the opportunity to chat to her this week (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, making the time to talk to me. I was so excited when I saw that you had a book coming out, um, which is called More is More Decor, which I love because in <laughs> recent years, there has been a, like a really hard lean into minimalism, hasn't there, when it comes to people's yeah. houses. And that is oh not me. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's certainly not me either. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just been this massive trend, hasn't there, over the, over the last couple of years for for grey, for white, Mm. you know, these really, like, you know, clean lines, minimal kind of houses. You know, sometimes even when I'm, like, scrolling on Instagram, I'm looking and I'm thinking, is that in black and white? No, there must must be some (laughs) colour somewhere. And it's, like, it's not even a filter. Like, this is, like, people's houses. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all for people having the house that they want to have. And if you love grey and you love white, then literally go for it. But, actually, I think there's a lot of people now that have gone for this and they're, like, looking around thinking... Is this making me happy? You know yeah. these, uh, these these kind of like minimalist colours, and you know I'm getting a lot of messages from people saying, "I want to experiment with colour with pattern, and I don't know where to start." You know, so I'm like, right, well, I am here to help. I yeah, book will help as well. Well, that's a. I mean, I think that's a good a good question to ask you. Is you know, if someone is looking around their house and they're thinking, "Oh, this doesn't really reflect me," and actually, I would like a little bit more action on the walls or in the room. <laughs> Um, where do you start? I love that. A little bit more action. We all need a bit more action, don't we? <laughs> yes. So I always, um, so if I go to meet a client for the first time, I will just check out their wardrobe. I'm like, come on, let, let me at it. Let me in that closet. Let me have a little rummage. Mm. And I think you can kind of tell a lot, you know, because for me, clothes, you know, fashion, interiors, the so intertwined you know it's that kind of expressing yourself either with what you wear or how you um, how you decorate your home so actually a lot of the time you know start with start with your wardrobe have a little look what colors are in there what patterns what fabrics what textures and actually if you've got quite a bland um house actually start with your wardrobe and kind of have a look in there and Maybe take some inspiration. It might be a silk scarf that you've picked up on your holidays that you just really love the shapes or the colours. And and maybe, like, start with that. You know, if there's something that you really, really love, then that is a really, really good starting point. Also, I would say, you know, obviously the internet is a great source of inspiration. You know, I'm forever on Instagram, on Pinterest, putting, Mm. like, mood boards and things like that together. But, again, just order loads of samples order your paint chips, order some fabric and wallpaper samples and kind of just like lay it out, you know, like a bit of a mood board and mm. see see what goes together because quite quickly I start quite wide with, with any kind of search or with any kind of scheme, but quite quickly I'll be like, oh, no, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that. Mm. And then you're left with all the things that you really, really love. Yeah, so it can um, kind of help you focus. Look, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I always just say, if you love it, then it can't be wrong. If you love the leopard print, if you love the pink glitter, if you love a candy stripe, whatever it is, you know, that's going to make you happy. It's your home at the end of the day. And that's what the most important thing is. So following trends or doing what your friends are doing or your neighbours, no, do something for yourself and, mm. and, and decorate with your heart. That's that's my the, the biggest advice I can give, really. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think Instagram has done something really funny to us when it comes to our homes and the way our homes look because there are such intense trends now. Um, I think yeah. once upon a time, people wouldn't really have paid that much attention to interiors trends. They, you know, because you wouldn't have been able to see inside so many people's houses. You would have seen, yeah. I don't know, whatever was on Changing Rooms or whatever TV program you liked yeah. watching. But like <laughs> yeah. these days, you know, you get to see inside people's houses, but it's only the bits that they want you to see. So you're not really seeing the reality. But but I think there's a bit of kind of keeping up with the Joneses going on where people feel like yeah. they have to have perfect homes that are perfectly on trend. Yeah, I mean, we are just bombarded, aren't we? Like, all our senses, and especially, like, on social media, we're just bombarded with everything. And, and I think if you're kind of a creative person anyway, it can it can be a lot. It can yeah. be, you know, it, it can be sometimes too much. Like, even sometimes when I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. I like that. And it's kind of, what do I really, really like, you know, and what's going what's gonna to fit into the room? Because, again all these trends and all these things can look great in other people's homes but actually you know you've got to think about your own space as well so think about who's using the room how does it function where's the light coming in you know mm. is it is it a cold room is it a warm room is it dark is it light you know and and and, and really the main thing is how you want to feel in that room how you want to feel in the space mm. because all right you know looking on instagram and seeing you know all these jungle prints but actually if you want you know, something that's like calm and serene, is that maybe going to be the, the right thing? So, so again, it's that how you're going to feel, how you want to feel mm. in your space. Do you want to feel energized? Do you want to feel calm? You know, kind of start with start with that feeling and then you can start thinking about your colour palette and your, mm. your wallpapers and, and your decor as well then. And do you think people like uh, well look I'll say I think sometimes people get scared and I've been scared myself at times my sitting room is pink yeah. and red um and Ooh, I love pink and red that is one of my favorite color combinations yeah, ever me too but like putting it on the wall was a big decision you know <laughs> like um yeah. the bottom kind of third of the wall is red and then the upper two-thirds is pink um and that's I love that but it was scary to make that decision because it is quite bold yeah. and it's quite different. Um, so what would yeah. you say to someone who's maybe feeling a little bit afraid? Like they, that it's, it's what they want. They know that they want to, to put some color on the walls, but maybe it feels like, oh God, what am I going to do if, if I don't like it in the end? Well, I think you've just kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, you knew that you loved those colors. And at first, that first coat's always scary because the first coat never looks great, does it? It's mm. always like a bit patchy and you're a bit, you know, instantly you're thinking, oh, my God, I've made the wrong decision. This is terrible. But then as soon as you get that second or third coat on, it's like, and you start seeing things come together. But I think you've just hit the nail on the head. If you love it, you know, and, you you know, you're kind of decorating with your gut, you're going with what you love, then it's you're going to love it. So, so my advice would be always go for it. What is the worst that can happen? You know, yes, it's, it's expensive to buy some more paint, but... It's not like the, you know, the total end of the world if you really, really, really hate it. But, you know, if you're choosing colours that you that you really love, that are close to your heart, then I just can't see that you could go wrong, really. 
So Siobhan, I came to know you through Interior Design Masters, um, which I yeah. just, I, it's such a good program. If people aren't familiar, it's an interior design competition and people do challenges every week. It's presented by Alan Carr. It's really good fun. Yeah. Like my <laughs> husband and I always get really excited when it comes around. Um, how did you find the experience of making that show? Oh, I just absolutely loved it. I mean, yeah, of course, I was nervous going into it because I'd only ever really done designs in my own home. I've ne- I'd never really, you know, I wasn't a professional. You know, that's the, that's the whole premise of the show. We're yeah. not professional interior designers when we go into it. Um, but what a great experience. You know, learning from all the other designers was amazing. Obviously, I've made um, friends for life as well, which, you know, we are just like the biggest cheerleaders of each other now yeah. nowadays. But also, you know, as an interior designer, just being able to, to do all those different things so you know we did hotels one week one week we were doing shops beach huts it was so diverse every week that you kind of like were dipping your toe into all these different kind of interior design niches and and actually for most interior designers you kind of stick with one so you'll get interior designers that do hotels only interior designers that do residential only so actually being able to do all the different things and then to kind of think right well what I've done all that what do I really really want to do now yeah um it was just yeah it was just a great experience and what was really good about it was the fact that at the end I can remember speaking to one of the producers and I said oh my gosh this has just been an absolute crash course in interior design Mm -hmm. and she said yeah but Siobhan it's also been like a bit of a crash course in tv as well and I thought I never really thought about that and and actually I really really enjoyed the tv element of it Mm -hmm. um I found that quite fun and I didn't really even go into it kind of thinking about that. But yeah, I mean, it was, um, it's always going to be a bit surreal, isn't it? Like seeing yourself like on TV every week and yeah. thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to come across? And uh, and you've yeah, done more TV like, since got, then, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I've, I've got a regular, I do a regular little slot now, an interior slot on, um, on Channel 4 on a program called Steph's Pat Lunch with mm-hmm. Steph, Steph McGovern. Um, that team is just amazing and it's live Mm -hmm. so again you know it's very very different live tv because you kind of you're in you're out you do your thing and you know you're in the car on the way home so so that's it's pretty pretty exciting um that kind of stuff yeah um and how cool to have been introduced to it that way because you know obviously tv the tv that you do now came out of the experience of doing interior design masters but then also you obviously do loads of work kind of around interiors now as well right yeah absolutely so the day that the um the day that the final aired on tv Obviously, we'd filmed like a few months before and, and, and we were filming during COVID. Mm. So literally, it was pretty It was pretty intense. Yeah. All the shops were closed, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the day that the final aired, I can remember going into, um, my husband was working at home at the time, I went into his little office um, and I just said, Nick, I'm going to um, I'm gonna have my notice in because I'd logged on to my computer. I was looking at spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations and I felt like this like, overwhelming sadness mm. and it was kind of like this is not what I want to be doing you know I've had this super exciting you know 20 weeks of filming yeah where we're doing different stuff every single week you know all these great amazing designers that I'm working with and now I'm sat in the living room and I'm looking at an excel spreadsheet and I was like no this is just not this is not me <laughs> I need to make a change and I guess a you know 40 41 I think it was at the time it's been a couple of years um it's quite it's quite 
scary, really, yeah. you know. I'd worked my way up. I'd been in the NHS 18 years. I'd worked my way up. I had a really good salary. Um, you know, I had a bit of flexibility. I, I, I knew, you know, you kind of do something and you know your job inside out, don't yeah. you, after, after 18 years. But I just thought, no, it's kind of now or never, and I've got mm. to make that change. And my husband's actually quite a cautious person, I'd say. So when he was like, yeah, Siobhan, you've really got to do it. I kind of thought, right, well, oh, okay. <laughs> spoken, I really must do it. But I can remember, um, I can remember logging, um, I can remember like looking online and, um, and I said, and I kind of like drafted, um, I drafted like my resignation and I just, I was a bit of a coward. I waited till uh, I could see that my boss had logged off and mm-hmm. I sent it and I sent it after, I sent my email after that. Um, but then the next day she was like, yeah, Siobhan, we kind of knew it was coming, yeah. done the right thing, you know, so it was just that natural, um, it was just the right time, in the I, right place at the right time. Well, I was going to say, I'm turning 40 in a couple of months and I definitely can feel myself looking around and kind of assessing where I am and thinking about, it feels like the start of a next of another chapter, yeah, you know? I think it does at that when it's a milestone birthday. Yeah, so it makes yeah. sense that around that age, you probably were kind of doing the same thing as well and thinking, you know, how do I want yeah. the rest of my working life to look like? Not that it's nearly over, but like, you know, it's a new yeah. section oh of gosh. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's certain like times in our lives when when that happens, isn't it? It could be a milestone birthday, it could yeah. be a breakup, it could be, you know, that you've gone traveling or, so, you know, something like that. It's kind of that that milestone mm. where you kind of think. And I think lockdown, I think, to be honest, I think lockdown yeah. has been quite a big, a big thing for people. Big you know, time. I've seen a lot of, yeah, friends and family that have kind of started thinking about like choosing different routes you know mm. thinking like well do I want to be doing this for another you know and especially at 40 you're kind of thinking do I want to be doing this for another 20 years yeah <laughs> you know? yeah well exactly it's yeah kind of, it's kind of like you know you're kind of like halfway through aren't you like you're kind of working yeah working career and it, it kind of for me just seems like that's actually a good time and to, to have a change yeah. change is as good as a rest isn't it they say so yeah. well, well definitely I've never looked back I have to I have to talk to you about clothes because um one of the things I think that immediately drew me to you when I was watching you on TV was that you are a plus size person and you have beautiful bright style and um I am also a plus size person who loves to wear bright colors so I was yeah. like literally every week my husband was like oh you'd love that wouldn't you something you were wearing every <laughs> single week he was like oh that's where you isn't it and I was like yes <laughs> it is um so I immediately felt like a connection to you on the fashion front because I know and I always say this that if you're looking at someone who's in a bigger body and they're wearing a great outfit they've had to work 10 times harder than a straight sized person has had to work because it is so hard for us to find clothes and it's so hard for us to find the clothes we like isn't it oh my gosh absolutely I've had messages from people like saying you know plus size shopping is like an Olympic sport yeah and like it's kind of like yeah that is so true isn't it because you know, a lot of the time, you know, we're seeing all these fab clothes or, you know, we're seeing stuff online or, you know, in shops, you kind of go and you're looking for your size. Oh, well, okay, well, that doesn't exist. Mm. So literally, you know, you are having to, yeah, shop, you know, 10, ten times as hard to, to get, you know, that kind of same look. And, mm. you know, for me, it was just all about, um, for me, it's kind of just all about that whole dressing, dressing happy, you yeah. know, and throwing all these rules whether it's interior rules fashion rules throwing them throwing the the, the rule book out of the window really mm. you know we've had you know years of people saying oh you know you can't show your arms or 
you can't wear yeah. a bright colour or you've always got to wear black because it's more slimming mm. and or it's more flattering. And I'm kind of like, you know, sod flattering. Just yeah. wear what you want to wear because, you know, we're all different shapes and sizes. And, and to be honest, nine times out of ten, no one's paying any attention. No one's looking. I know. Um, Everyone's so obsessed with themselves that. Yeah, absolutely. But before I let you go, because I think, you know, really, and there will be, you know, there may be people listening who who aren't familiar with you. And I cannot recommend enough that you go and look at Siobhan's Instagram for some style inspo for someone who wants to, or or any <laughs> a, a, interior style, fashion style, any kind of style. She's at Comment, Interior like, Curve. <laughs> um, but honestly, you live such a colorful life. And I often hear from women and people who want to, you know, break out of the wearing black shell and who are plus size and have been maybe afraid to wear color over the years if you had a tip for those people what would your tip be oh my god just literally just go for it I would just say you know order the things that you wouldn't normally order you know like online um you know I'm not I'm not plugging the whole online thing but really it's our only option it's not it's not good for us let's face it so, you know, ha- have a look at like different silhouettes because I think we get we get like trapped into this little thing, don't we, where it's like, well, I know that like a wrap dress, for instance, suits me. So I'm just going to have a whole wardrobe full of wrap dresses. Yeah. But look at different silhouettes and just like maybe order things that you think, oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I could wear it. Yeah. Try it on yeah. and just literally, you know, I have messages all the time from people where they've said, you know, I've worn black for years. I've seen you as a size 20 or as a size 22 person wearing colour, looking fabulous. And it's made me, you know, buy something bright and colourful mm. and I've worn it and I feel absolutely amazing. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly yeah. what I want to hear. Because actually, you know, the right suit, the right dress, you know, the right outfit can really just give you so much confidence yeah. and really just change like how you feel. Like I just think in a way it's a bit of armour, isn't it? Uh, you know, mm. but also it's kind of you know, I put a dress on that I really, really love and I'm not putting a dress, you know, like years ago, I'd choose clothes that made me look slimmer or perceived, you know, or were flattering or, you know, all mm. this kind of stuff. Now, literally, I just shop because I think I really love that dress. Yeah. And actually, I don't care if, if I look bigger or smaller or whatever. Mm. I'm literally just buying the clothes that I want to wear. Well, yeah, and- because I always say, like, no item of clothing is magic. Like if you have a big body, you're going to have a big body in whatever you're wearing. So no dress is going to make you, if you are a big person, no dress is going to make you look like a small person. So you might as well wear something that you like. Absolutely. Just embrace it. Flaunt those curves. That's what we need to do. I love it. Well, Siobhan, thank you so much for giving me your time. That's Siobhan Murphy. She is at Interior Curve on Instagram. The book is called More is More Decor. And I I actually really enjoy the subtitle, which is a handbook for maximalists. Banish the beige, ditch the drab and throw the interiors rule book out of the window. Um, Siobhan, thanks so much. I'm delighted for you with everything that's happened for you. It's been great to watch your success. And I hope we talk again soon. Oh, thank you for having me on. Take care. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, this week in the world of entertainment, there is some sad news, but there's also some happy news. And then there's also some absolutely absurd news. Uh, anyone? Marty Whelan tattoos? Anyone? I'm delighted that Emer McLeisett was able to come and chat to me about these stories. Well, it's time to catch up on the world of entertainment this week. And um, here with me is my former colleague in uh, dailyedge.ie. <laughs> author of oh my god what a complete ashling uh, that series with sarah breen and of course irish times columnist if you're not reading her column in the irish times magazine i don't know what you're doing you're missing out is what you're doing um and the reason i mentioned daily edge is because we were just saying some of the stories we have to discuss this week would have been real daily edge stories daily edge loved a viral irish moment oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah some of the yeah so we'll get to those but we have unfortunately we have to start with some sad news and I think everyone was shocked to learn that Darius died this week. Yeah, I mean, Darius Dinesh, for anyone who isn't familiar, was like an icon of early singing reality show mm-hmm. competitions. And yeah, he was found dead in his apartment. He lives in the US now, or lived in the US in Minnesota. And just 41 years old and yeah. was found dead in his apartment. No more details really given, um, except that, you know, it wasn't deemed to be suspicious and his family were devastated, obviously. But yeah, quite a shock. Yeah. Um, like not somebody that I have had kind of heard of in recent years, but mm. still somebody who's really part of a particular time in pop culture. Like he iconically um, auditioned for Pop Stars, which is one of the very first of those TV shows and sang this, I mean, quite dodgy cover of Hit Me Baby One More Time. But oh. it went viral, as viral as something could go in like 2001. I can hear it yeah. in yeah. my head now. <laughs> he, he did like a really long pause. Hit Me Baby One More Time. Didn't he go, <laughs> am I wrong or did he go, he did. Time. Oh, he, may, he might have actually. Loneliness is killing me and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe, when I'm not with you, I lose my mind, give me a sign. 
It was really... And now in my head, he's putting one finger to his yes. ear as he does it. Yeah, it was some, anyway, it was some interesting artistic choices. He actually went on to be much more successful yes. than that would have predicted. Yeah. So the following year then he auditioned for Pop Idol, which was again, like, it was just such a heyday of an excitement and everyone was watching Pop Idol mm-hmm. and that was the show that gave us Gareth Gates and Will Young. Yeah. And Darius came third in that competition. Yeah. So I mean, that's quite a jump from yeah. kind of being the butt of a lot of jokes having done the Britney Spears audition. Totally. He then did he, really well. He did really well. He went on to be like really successful in musicals. He played the leads in lots of musicals like Chicago, Guys and Dolls, mm. all that kind of stuff. He went on to win another singing uh, competition. This time it was about like pop star to opera star. Mm-hmm. I actually never watched that. No, that was I didn't see um, that. about 10 or 12 years ago. And of course, he had the hit single Colorblind. Oh my God, Colorblind. Like was he a, did really well in the end. He did really well. He was like, apparent, like he was a very, very well liked person mm. in the music. And he went on to work, like he produced a Hollywood film. He. Had his fingers in a lot of pies, very well liked, very, mm. very missed. Like, um, I will say, and this is not to make light of his death whatsoever, but I did see a lot of people also shocked by the fact that he was 41. Yeah. I would have thought he was much older. Yeah. I think I said it to someone this week. I was like, oh my God, Darius died. And my friend said, oh, well, what age was he? And I said, 41. She was yeah. like, what? I would have thought he was much older than me. Same. Yeah. Same. Like, he, I'm the same age as him. I think so. maybe it was the beard or something. Yeah. Energy. And, I mean... The cameras in 2002 weren't... (laughs) Although, actually, maybe they should have been more forgiving to age. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Um, And then, also, we had really sad news about Anne Heche. Yeah, Anne Heche died after getting into a car crash. Mm. Um, She crashed her car into, I think, just a house, a building. And there was a ferocious fire. She was obviously very, very badly injured and died as a result of her injuries. Mm. Um, I was just looking into her. Like, I remember Anne Heche largely because, so in the mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. she came out mm-hmm. as gay and she was in a relationship with Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. And it was shortly after Ellen had come out as well. Ellen I mean, they were like the world's most famous lesbian couple, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I mean... I think it was around 1997 and it would have been much bigger news than it than it is today. Yeah. I think, and that's kind it of... It was huge. I remember, Ellen was on the cover of, was it Time magazine? Yeah. Saying, I, yes, I'm gay. Yeah. Like, she came out via her sitcom. It was written into her sitcom. Like, it was huge. Yeah. yeah. And so then I remember at the same time, Anne Hesch had... She was in Volcano, mm. which I remember was a big film at the time. Mm-hmm. Dreadful. Dante's Peak is much better. <laughs> <laughs> and... I remember specifically at the time she was going to be in a rom-com with Harrison Ford. It was called Six Days and Seven Nights. Oh, yeah. And that film was kind of overshadowed by this announcement that A, she was gay and B, she was going out with Ellen. Mm. And a lovely story actually about Harrison Ford has come out um, because there was a lot of people saying, oh, you've ruined your career. This Mm. film is going to bomb. It's a romantic comedy. And Harrison Ford was like, I don't care about what any of those people say. We have a film to make. Let's do it. Which is, you know... But just looking into her backstory, like she had quite a tragic life. She She had a lot of childhood trauma, obviously endured a lot of homophobia. She had mental health issues. She had drug addiction issues. Mm. And I mean, there are kind of hints that they might have played a part in her death. Yeah. Um, She had a couple of kind of high profile incidents that were obviously influenced by poor mental health over the years. Yeah. 
But yeah, really sad. I actually also remember her for being in Ally McBeal. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> around the year 2000, Ally McBeal was my life. <laughs> Did anyone not have the Ally McBeal soundtrack with all the Von, Von Shepard tracks? Well, I certainly um, did. She played Melanie in that. She had Tourette's. And she was brilliant in it. She was brilliant in it. Like she, she was, was a really beautiful woman. She was a really good actress. Like really no two actress. ways about it. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that she had to face as many challenges as she did. And obviously very unfortunate that she died the way that she did. But, you know, hopefully in her memory, people are remembering the fact that she was such a talent. Because I think in recent years, you know, there hadn't been a huge amount of conversation, but any conversation that there had been had been kind of dominated by maybe, as you say, some of the stories that were certainly symptomatic of her ill mental health. Yeah, yeah. And, and also kind of poking fun at her. I think, yeah. I think that like I certainly wasn't really aware <clears throat> excuse me that she had suffered as much as she had yeah. and kind of some of the stuff you would see was a bit kind of like oh Anne Hesh is yeah. you know kooky older Hollywood lady but um I'm definitely going to go back and watch some of her movies that yeah. I haven't seen because she was a great actress yeah rest in peace Anne Hesh mm. um and now in other maybe sad for some people much less serious news Florence Pugh and Zach Braff have broken up yeah I'm quite surprised by this yeah me too they seem pretty solid they did seem pretty solid so Florence Pugh is obviously she is an English actress um I think she's in her mid-20s and yeah she's young yeah um Zach Braff probably best known for being in Scrubs back mm -hmm. in the day and he also wrote and directed and starred in Garden State, mm -hmm. I think. Which huge was film in our youth. Huge film, yeah. another huge soundtrack. Kind of in more recent years has been poked fun at a little bit. Yeah, well, people are very cynical. Yeah, and it's very kind of manic pixie dream yeah, girl. Yeah, 21 years between the yeah. two of them. So they have been going out for about three years. Um, when it first emerged that they were going out, I mean, because she was this bright star on kind of you know the big screen set mm. and very beautiful very very talented she has been nominated for oscar she was in midsummer she was in little women the remake and just the age gap and it was just the age gap really and he, just they're they're a, to me they're a diff they're two different generations nearly mm. um i mean there are very successful couples with 21 year age gaps and more and less um, but they definitely endured a lot of criticism and mm. I think she endured a lot of criticism because she was the more visible more famous person at the time yeah and she came she she defended the relationship a lot um, and often said you know basically you know stop talking about yeah. us you know it's yeah. none of your business which in fairness it, it wasn't um and it's interesting that now that she's decided to confirm it she said that they kind of wanted to separate quietly because so many people had had things to say about their relationship that yeah you know she wasn't interested in people's opinions about a separation yeah. which you can understand yeah and she said that she knew people were going to be gleeful about the mm. breakup and I was kind of thinking to myself I was like am I happy I kind of was like oh god I'm kind of glad they've broken up and then I was like why it really it makes no difference to my life. Like, I love Florence Pugh. I think she's great. I mm. think she's been great in everything I've seen her in. Mm -hmm. um, but this must be really difficult. Like, three years is a long time to go out. Mm. He, I mean, I, I don't think he's a problematic man. I, I've never really heard of any other issues with him. But it's interesting. It's coming up now to this really big cycle of publicity that Florence yeah. is going to be involved in for this film, Don't Worry Darling, 
where she plays Harry Styles' wife. Well, she's the lead. He plays her husband. And it's directed by Olivia Wilde, who is Harry Styles' partner. And there's been a lot, a lot of rumours and talk about, like, fallings out on set between Florence and Olivia. Like, I've heard every rumour under the sun. Yeah, I've heard so many rumours that I'm starting to think that it was actually just fine. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard that Florence was basically directing it because Olivia wasn't paying any attention because she was so obsessed with with Harry. Harry. And I was like, I mean, fair. The most credible, (laughs) the most credible rumour that I've heard is that Uh, Olivia Wilde has been kind of pre-promoting this film by bigging up the sex scenes and saying like she wants to give women their power back in sex scenes and that you know it was really important to her to show female pleasure on screen and all that kind of thing and Florence has she hasn't said very much about the film but what she has said is can we stop reducing it to a sex scene? She hasn't mentioned Olivia Wilde by name, but she's basically said, we're, we're better than that. This film right. is not about its sex scenes. It's not about me having a sex scene with the most famous man in the world. Like, she did a big interview with Harper's Bazaar, which is where this news about Zach Braff came out. Yeah. And you could read it as very pointed. Right. And a lot's been said about how the fact she hasn't really promoted it on her Instagram, where she usually does promote her work on Instagram quite a lot. Yeah. But I mean... She's been going through, obviously, a very difficult breakup. Yeah. So maybe... And I will say, I've watched the trailer several times. Yeah. Um, for my own reasons. <laughs> You're not alone, Elise. Um, okay. When in the trailer, um, I did notice that there there is some sex in the trailer. And yeah. I did notice that it's very much about the woman's yeah. pleasure and yeah. you know I th- I don't think it's that's a small thing and yeah. I and I do think it's worth noting yeah um, and I can understand why Olivia might want to point out that that's one facet of the film I can also understand why someone like Florence would be like there's more to it than that and obviously I'm I gave a performance that's about more than that yeah. but sure look we won't know until we see the film really yeah really. but I mean there's nothing more delicious than Hollywood tea no. but I, lo- I love Florence but I, so I would hate to think that there is feuding going going on. Yeah. Um and yeah, it'd be nice if they all just got along. But yeah, Harry Styles sex scenes is all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to something much more pure and wholesome. Um David Attenborough has a new series and we're in it. Yes. Yes. Not you and me, Not our country, me. <laughs> Ireland. Just me and Emer. They're filming in through the window right now. <laughs> Just like, eating, eating a hang sandwich behind him. <laughs> he has, I mean, I presume a lot of it's already been recorded because yeah. I think it's going to air on BBC One next spring. Yeah. Um. So it's Wild Isles is going to be on BBC One and it's about Britain and Ireland. Yeah, it was filmed over three years. Filmed over three years, yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you've watched any of his previous shows... I'd say Attenborough is only featured in a very small amount of the yeah. filming. Um, his work is mostly voiceover. Yeah. And and thank God, because he's 96. Like, give yeah. the man a break. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Like, they're going to talk about why Ireland and Britain are really important for kind of globally their nature, mm-hmm. about their different habitats like woodlands, grasslands, freshwater, marine. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, um, you know, blue tuna, wild horses, gulls, stealing fish. Important to note that, that it's not just Ireland. It's Ireland and Britain. Sorry, gulls, stealing fish. Can you imagine if he was like down on Bray Seafront watching seagulls rob well, sandwiches out of people's hands? Well, I was like, okay, I feel like, okay, so it all sounds lovely, blue fish, blue fin tuna, all that um but I don't know if anyone remembers a few years ago there was an iconic headline in the Irish Sun that read um devil otter ate my minivan 
and it was about a an otter gone wild in the town of Tulla in County Clare. He got his head stuck in a potato crisp packet. Someone tried to intervene and then the devil otter ate someone's minivan. So if the devil otter isn't in Wild Isles, the seagulls also have to be in Wild yeah, Isles. Famously lost the run of themselves, um, as Wally the TD Walrus mentioned. Down in Cork. He's been like smashing up boats. Oh, what and about that cow that went into the uh, Super Value in, um, oh, where was it? Oh, I can't remember. It was in Roscommon, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> Um, there's always um, the big cats of Northern Ireland. I mean, there are so many. We I, really should have had our own series. I think there's been a puma in Monaghan now for about 15 <laughs> years. Nobody's managed to catch him. Anyone can do it. It's David Attenborough. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, tuna and red deer stags and yeah. gulls stealing fish from puffins is yeah. all well and good. But I want a gull stealing a Big Mac from a hungover yes. office worker at 8.57am. He managed to get the Big Mac at 8.57am. And I want footage of yeah. the tears of that office worker yeah. as the gull flies away, please. Yeah. Um, now, uh, another another exit. Um, Jeremy Paxman is leaving University Challenge. This is huge news. This is huge news. Yeah. Um, he has been presenting the show since, since 1994. Um, if you've never watched University Challenge, where have you been? Yeah. But he is, he's such a good presenter because he's very knowledgeable, but he's quite acerbic. Like if, mm-hmm. they, if, if he asks a question he deems to be easy and they get it wrong, he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very I mean, enjoyable. The joy of watching University Challenge is because of him, but also because you're like, can I get maybe four right? Oh my God. Whole... Can I get one? I'm just glad with myself if I get one. If, when they do the music round and it's almost always like classical music or opera, but yeah. then sometimes it'll be pop music. Yeah. And, and the nerds don't the have nerds a clue. Are like, <laughs> you know, it's clearly a Christina Aguilera song and they're like, Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. But yeah, Jeremy Paxman is leaving now. He did announce um, earlier this year, I think it was, that he has Parkinson's. So ah. it hasn't really been mentioned it's, if that's part of the reason, but I mean, it probably is. Also, yeah. he's just getting older. He's been doing this since 1994. Um, his last episode will air next year, but he will film it later this year. Yeah. Um, my friend is on the new series. <gasps> What? I know. He just um he just kind of revealed it this week. It's very exciting, Oren. Um he's not nerdy and he will ace a pop music oh round. Just well, saying as if there someone is one. Who once appeared on Blackboard Jungle. <laughs> I can say that I know what it is to be on a TV quiz show and the stresses and pressures. Well, I cannot wait to see him on there. And I'm just really glad that he got in before Jeremy finished up. Yeah. I saw someone suggesting Vanessa Feltz as a possible person to take that over. And I actually think bad. she'd be brilliant. I mean, would we consider Alison Hammond? No. <laughs> Iconic Alison Hammond? No, you have to be. Rylan? <laughs> I love Alison Hammond. Yeah. Adore her, but you have to be like, you have to have that gravitas and yeah. like intelligence, I think. Not that she's not smart, but like yeah. it's knowledge as opposed to intelligence, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they announce as a replacement. I mean, as we're speaking, they haven't done it yet, but I think it will be coming soon. Yeah, they'll have to. So I'm interested to see. It'll probably be someone we've never heard of. We'll, well see, Vanessa Feltz to. just finished up her radio show. Oh. She's been doing an early morning radio show on BBC Radio 5 for like 12 years or something, and she's just finished up. Can the woman who, who um, spurred on the headline, Friends Fear She's Eating Custard Again... <laughs> Can she take over the University Challenge mantle? I think she can. Uh, me too. I mean, and we love a comeback story. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now finally to the most Daily Edge story of the week. <laughs> oh, what a joy. Uh, a man has gotten Marty Whelan's face tattooed upon his body. Yeah. 
And why? Because he lost a bet. The only reason people ever get these iconic tattoos. There was a story a few years ago. There's a, there's a man somewhere in Ireland who has a massive Colomini tattoo. Yeah. I think it's on his calf. I've seen it. If you're listening, call in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that was also as a result of a lost bet. But yeah, Phil O'Kelly lost a bet, which was centered on fantasy football. And he, you know, got the lowest in his group of friends that were playing fantasy football. And the the um, the loser had to get a tattoo chosen by the winner. Mm-hmm. But the loser got to pick where on his body the tattoo was. And it had to be bigger than a two euro coin. So it's significantly larger than a two euro coin. It's significantly larger. And Phil O'Kelly, and he's at Philly O'Kelly on Twitter. If you want to go and read the whole thread where he goes through exactly how this panned out. Um... He got to choose where the tattoo was going, but the the winner, who was his friend, got to pick that it was Marty Whelan. So then he contacted Kit, who was a tattoo friend of his, who's from Liz, Live Fast Tattoos in Temple Bar, and said, okay, I have to get this man's face. Um, where can I get it? Can I get it on my butt cheek? You know, funny place to get it, but also probably one of the most easiest places to hide it. Yeah. Um, his tattoo friend came back and said, look, for it to look in any way good, you can't have it really small because the details in yeah. a portrait just aren't going to come out. It's going to turn into a big mess and it won't look good. So it ended up being nine inches <laughs> from quaff to chin. <laughs> and it's on the side of his thigh. And it's incredible work. Yeah, it's very good. Like, you'd know straight away who it is. Yeah. And I'm delighted that he went on the radio to speak to Marty Whelan, he who did. obviously is a great sport about it. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really good that apparently Philly O'Kelly works for Spinal Injuries Ireland. And um, Marty said if he can help him, like, in any way yeah. with his work, yeah. then, you know, consider yeah. it He done. said he asked his tattoo artist he wanted just to capture Marty's smile and moustache. Mm-hmm. And he's done that impeccably. Marty looks great. I also really enjoy that Marty said, I have to say, we were chatting about this in the last few minutes and we were trying to figure out if any of my colleagues have ever had this honour bestowed upon them. And I don't think so. And frankly, if there's anyone in RTE who deserves to have their face tattooed upon a body, I think it might be Marty Whelan. Absolutely. Maybe Miriam as well. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) Miriam. You're my number one girl. Um, okay. Well, Emer, my God, what a collection of stories. You have just taken us to them through them beautifully. Thank you. Um, Emer, as I said, is the author, uh, co-author with Sarah Breen of the Oh My God, What a Complete Ashing series. There is a new book coming. It's next not that far year. away, is it? Uh, this time next year, we'll be we'll gearing have it. up. We might not have it, but oh. we'll be gearing up for Sorry, it. Sorry, I shouldn't have started that conversation. That's okay. <laughs> it's coming. And of course, you can read Emer in the Irish Times magazine every week as well, where she um, writes about all kinds of things from Westlife's bum and the way it might look at you. <laughs> yeah, just a single bum that they yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, and sure. um, this Saturday's column is about having norovirus. So maybe Ooh. don't read it while eating your breakfast. <laughs> from one, one bum to another. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I better stop now. Thanks, (laughs) Emer. That's all from me this week. But before I go, I'm going to give you a few recommendations. First of all, on Amazon Prime, I've been watching A League of Their Own. Um, you may be familiar with the film. I It's one of my all-time favorite films with Tom Hanks, Gina Davis. It is the story of the baseball league, the Women's Professional Baseball League that was started during World War II in the US. Um, it tells the tale of the women, you know, where they came from, how they got on playing professional baseball, all of the politics, the gender politics, the racial politics, all 
of the various inequalities um, that happened. And I love that film. But now there is a TV series. And honestly, I think it might even be better. It's on Amazon Prime now, all eight episodes. It was um, co-produced and co-written and co-created and co-everything by Abby Jacobson, who is also the lead role in it. Abby is one half of the girls from Broad City. If you ever watched Broad City, if you didn't, can I recommend? Absolutely hilarious program. But um, it's just really good. It really delves much deeper into the kind of race element of things. Um, a lot of the characters are kind of familiar from the film, but it's not a direct remake. Um, it's just really good. It's really good. It's really nice watch. Nice to watch some 40s fashion aside from anything else. Um, and as I said, it's on Amazon Prime. I've been reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo um, by Taylor Jenkins Reid a really good read if you like kind of old Hollywood vibes um, you really get to kind of delve into that world via this book so recommend that and then another thing I've been watching is Industry Industry is a co-production of HBO and the BBC and I watched the first series a couple of years ago when it aired. Now the second series has already started airing on HBO. It hasn't started airing on BBC yet so you could get in now and watch the first series before the second series. Now the only thing is obviously because it's BBC it's on the iPlayer. However if you were the kind of person who gets a bit creative with the internet, I'm sure you could find it. It's really good. It's a TV program about um, some young people who are just starting out in the world of banking in London. And I love it because I don't know anything about that world and you're just really kind of submerged in it. Um, it's a bit dark. It's a bit sexy. It's a bit everything. Um, and uh, I really love it. As I said, it's called Industry. Um, if you can find series one, I'd recommend you watch it before series two starts. I watched the first episode from series two last night and it was pretty good. Anyway, I have waffled on enough. Thank you so much for listening. Please do rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. I'd be so grateful if you do that, if you like the podcast and I'll be back with you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.